if he signs the entry-level deal, that's a sign that he's going to sign a second deal. That's a, that's a tough lead-in to my next thing. My dad would always say to me, son, why are you sleeping in the bathtub? 50-50 was never a good deal. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 38. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And uh hope everyone is uh, safe and sound and healthy and the family is healthy and we're going to bring in uh, my good friend here and Newsday teammate, Colin Stevenson, and we're going to talk about the agreement, and that's in all capital letters, the agreement. It is a landmark, all-encompassing agreement. But first off, here's uh, Colin. Colin, how are you doing today? No, I'm, I'm doing quite well today. I, I went, to my, went to go see my barber today and Got my first haircut since uh, I think I got one in early March, so before before the world shut down. So you know, if if, uh, if this actually happens, we'll, we're we're going to be uh, showing ourselves in public uh, on Monday next Monday, right? When we we go to training camp, and uh, yeah. I want to look good. I know there's going to be no interaction between the media and team personnel other than via Zoom, but it would almost be worth it to see Lou's face if he could see my hair right now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully by Friday, perhaps, maybe we'll get some kind of a ratification on this agreement. Uh, the the return to play slash collective bargaining agreement, which uh, Colin and I will kind of take apart piece by piece, uh, still needs to be ratified by the NHL Board of Governors, uh, still needs to be ratified by the NHLPA Executive Board, and then by the NHLPA's full membership. So, uh, you know, not a, not a slam dunk yet. They worked really hard on it, and I think hockey, both sides are drawing a lot of praise for being able to not only get a return to play agreement done and you know they their hand was forced because of the financial issues but ensuring labor peace through at least 2026 with a four-year cva extension is huge given what hockey has gone through in the past so i think both sides earning some kudos for being willing to compromise and negotiate through this listen uh they did a good job um, under trying circumstances, and um, you know it gives us something to talk about uh, that's positive and uh, hopeful, and uh, and I think we should be very appreciative of that. Well, let me ask. Let, let's start here before we start ripping this thing apart, um, <laughs> article by article. Do you consider ratification by both sides? at this point, you know, uh, a clear-cut, you know, eventuality, or is there still a little bit lingering doubt? That, and I would think probably it would be on the player's side that maybe there, this is not a, a, a slam-dunk vote here. No, I think, I think they're going to – I think they'll vote for it, yeah. I mean, it won't be unanimous, certainly, um, but I think that the majority will, will ratify it. Uh, on the players' side, um, they want to play. These guys want to play. Uh, there's, 
Uh, look at all the guys that have showed up in Phase 2 uh, for the voluntary training and even the guys who weren't in Phase 2 uh, team facilities for training. You know, a lot of more training in, in outside groups as, you know, we, we heard about the guys in Arizona that, that all got the, the virus. Um, uh, so, I mean, I think the guys want to play. Um, I'm sure they all have, uh, you know, misgivings and, and some guys have some some doubts as to whether it's the right thing and, you know, family guys, et cetera, et cetera. But I think deep down, most of them want to play or uh, all of them want to play. And then, and I think most of them are going to, are going to go ahead and, and, and vote to approve this deal. I think the membership is going to, you know, trust its leadership here. And, you know, Don Fear, obviously, you know, this was a deal that Don Fear could, could stomach. And, uh, you know, I, I think they did address a lot of the things that the players were concerned about. And again, we'll, we'll try and get, get through this, but, you know, escrow being one of them and, and exactly how to reconcile and account for the, this huge loss in hockey related revenue. As I, I think these guys also read the room and, and, and could see that there's really no stomach you know, uh, amongst the public to, to watch, you know, two hockey factions fight out over money at this point. We're, we're all living with this. You know, all of us are living with and dealing with um, this new world uh, that's that's come about because of this virus. And and, uh, and, I, and I just think that uh, we want things to be simplified and to, to go back to the way they were uh, as much as uh, as much as possible, and and that would include having professional sports to be able to watch. Now, you know, the NHL certainly, the NBA, uh, Major League Soccer, WNBA, um, professional uh, professional lacrosse, Premier Lacrosse League, uh, and, and Major League Lacrosse, they're all doing tournament stuff. Uh, I think the National Women's Soccer League uh, is playing right now, uh, as well. So they're all doing stuff and I don't think there's fans involved. So, I mean, it's not normal. You can't go to a game. There's no minor league baseball. There's no independent league baseball that you can go to. So these things aren't there for you to, to go. So it's not normal, but you know, if at seven o'clock on a, on a Wednesday night, you can flip on the TV and watch a hockey game or a basketball game, I think it'll take your mind off the COVID for a couple hours. And I think that's what we're looking for. And I, and I think it's, you know, I, I really do, you know, if you, if you saw Neil Best wrote uh, a nice column in today's Newsday um, in which he says it's, it's worth the effort. It's looking a little scary and, you know, and guys are opting out or guys are testing positive And, you know, is this, is this a bigger uh, undertaking than we thought it was going to be? Uh, yes, all that's true. But it's, it's definitely worth the effort to try and, and get this going so people can have their sports. And, you know, is, is sports the most important thing in the world? No, but it's it's nice for us, to, for those of us who aren't professional athletes, to, to be able to watch a game that we love um, to kill a couple hours and not think about the COVID for a couple hours. So let's let's do it if we can. That's a that's a tough lead into my next thing, uh, <laughs> trying not to least think Sorry about, about COVID. So, so, so the other thing reported on on Monday is they do each uh, Monday now they they're you know they're testing their players so out of 396 players tested in the phase 2 uh reopening which is the voluntary small group workouts uh at the team facilities so on Monday NHL reported that of 396 players tested 23 
tested positive. Um, now, they don't say who the players are. They don't say whether they're symptomatic or asymptomatic. They're just giving you the, the raw data here. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to look at the numbers, uh, the 23 of the 396, uh, that's a positive rate of about 5.8. And in the previous week, the uh, positive, which was uh, 15 out of 250, was uh, 6.0%. So uh, a slight improvement, but, you know, you're still seeing positives here. And, and as you mentioned last week, this is all about getting them safely to the bubble, you know, w- without too too bad of an, uh, an outbreak during this phase three training camp. And, and it's been, it's the point's been raised by other people um, that, uh, you know, some of these, these, training camps are going to be in places where there are, you know, spikes of the virus at this time. I mean, you know, I look at, you know, I, I know I bring it up all the time. I, you know, you follow other sports and you see what's going on in major league soccer. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, major league soccer is supposed to start their, their return to play tournament uh, tomorrow in Florida. Uh, you know, and that's Wednesday, July 8th. And, 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 uh, you know, they have a tournament where they're bringing back all 26 teams in the league, and they just announced yesterday or last night that one team is withdrawing. Uh, the, the, the FC Dallas uh, team is withdrawing because they have 10 players tested positive and a coach. And, and they had so, to cancel another game because, right? Uh, because right. Well, team... so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so you don't know. These guys um, were in the bubble, right? And as I understand it, um, they tested negative before they flew into the bubble, got to the bubble, tested again, and then, you know, four guys test positive the first day, a couple of guys test positive the next day, and the next thing you know, there's ten guys tested positive. Now they don't have enough guys to scrimmage in practice. As my father used to say to me, you know, up to the lip, the cup can slip, which means, you know, <laughs> no matter – how you know much of a done deal or a slam dunk it looks like or, or you know it's it's not it's not actually done until it's actually done so anything could happen right uh and so yes we've talked about you know you got to get to the bubble but the bubble you're not going to the bubble until what is it the 26th is the date right so that's a couple of weeks away and uh you know you got a team in in you know the FC Dallas isn't playing in 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 MLS you know are the Dallas Stars going to be able to make it you know uh, mm-hmm. are the two teams in Florida uh you got a team in you know Vegas you know you got you know um the St. You know, Louis so Blues had to St. Louis had to close their practice facility right after some, right yeah so you know i mean it's that's this is the this is the dangerous time now i would think is is these next couple of weeks you know making sure that guys do what they're supposed to guys yeah you come to the rink you practice you do what you need to do and then you go straight home you know do not pass go do not collect two hundred dollars don't stop at any gin mills on the way home um and and just kind of stay out of harm's way as much as possible until you can get to that bubble you know, uh, interestingly and uh, uh, quite strikingly different from what your dad used to say to you, my dad would always say to me, son, why are you sleeping in the bathtub? So, uh, <laughs> Did you ever come up with an answer for him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually because I, I missed the kitchen. So. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Yeah. It's a dicey time. And, you know, I mean, the, the players are starting to report. I mean, we had a thing where late last week, you know, all, all of the Rangers, uh, European players are, are in New York now um, as of late last week. And so whatever quarantine protocol they've got to serve before they can, um, they can start working out with the team, that'll be served and done by the time uh, they're on ice officially on the 13th. Uh, and so all teams are sort of coming together. But, you know, the point was made, you know, if you're, if you're a team in Dallas, if you're a team in Arizona, if you're a team in Vegas, maybe it's not such a good idea to be in those places. Maybe you could go someplace else yeah. for training camp, you know what I mean? Well, let's try and go go through some of this agreement. And I, I know, you know, for an Islanders podcast, and we'll certainly get to this, uh, in the uh, Twitter question and answer session uh, after this lead segment when uh, I, I think a good portion of questions are again on Ilya Sorokin. Um, we'll just briefly mention that under this agreement, a player such as Ilya Sorokin, an unsigned draft pick, is not eligible to play uh, the remainder of this season. The compromise struck between the sides was a player such as Sorokin can sign an entry-level deal and have the first year burned off here um, as, a, you know, the remainder of this year. So a little bit of compromise there. But let, let, let's go through this uh, agreement, just some basic facts. Like you said, training camps can open up on July 13th. Teams are going to head to either Toronto or Edmonton on the 26th. Um, and the qualifying round, uh, is going to start on August 1st, and if you time that out, you know, if they are able to play through the Stanley Cup, that's going to uh, be somewhere, you know, first week, week and a half of October. Um, and you know that because the uh, the second phase of the draft lottery, and again, the eight teams eliminated from the qualifying round of the, to get into the 16-team playoffs, um, those eight teams each have an equal 12.5% chance of winning the first overall pick in the NHL uh, draft. And the uh, second second phase of the lottery will be August 10th, and then free agency will be November 1st. And, uh, you know, so it's going to, if it works out this way, it's going to be a very compact off season if if you think the league is going to want to start playing again you know late december christmas time and and possibly you know january 1st with the winter classic so you know getting way ahead of ourselves it's going to be a crazy off season yeah i mean you know when am i going to take vacation <laughs> <laughs> no uh, seriously uh so the 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 as you say the the cup will be Lifted, you know, if all goes well, somewhere in, in early October, early to mid October. Uh, I think I had read uh, that player contracts will are, are, will expire on the 31st of October, right? Yeah, October 31st, making free agency November 1st. So then, you know, we don't have a date for the draft yet, do we? November It'll be 30th. before free agency, right? Yeah, yeah. So you got about a two, three week window there to get the draft in as well. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, and and postseason awards and stuff. Yeah. No, you don't have a lot of time uh, in between um, yeah. to get all this stuff done. But, you know, but you've had four months off, so you know. What yeah. Do? Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, as far as the CBA, 
Um, you're looking at labor peace through 2026. Uh, so a four-year extension since the collective bargaining agreement was due to uh, expire on September 15th, 22. So that is good news that none of us to, you know, after we've become health and pandemic writers the last three, four months, we don't have to again become labor writers in two years as we were in 2013 and 2004 and five. And uh, for some of us, not me, maybe you, Colin, as far back as 94, you know, we, we've been through those labor strifes and they're, they're not fun to cover. So no, that, I, I go back further. I mean, it wasn't wasn't uh, there a player ninety one, right? Ninety one was it? Yeah, you know, yeah. Players were working out, and 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 Mark Messier said, "Yeah, no, we're we're on strike. We're not working out." And I think yeah. we wrapped that up in a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, no, we go we go back all the way to the nineties. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Now, so the, the the reason, as I mentioned, they need to get a new CBA is because this. 50-50 split of hockey-related revenue is it, it's now a bad deal for the yeah. owners. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's a, it's a bad deal because they're, they're losing millions and millions of hundreds of millions of dollars here, and they're, they're looking to the players and going, okay, how are you going to repay us through escrow? So yeah. that needed to be worked out. How many times has it been said no one could have ever imagined it? something like this happening, right? But that was a bad deal for the players from day one. 50-50 was never a good deal. 50-50 uh, of so-called hockey-related revenue, um, meaning that, you know, it's not 50-50 of all revenue. It's just 50-50 uh, of a particular uh, subset of the revenue. Um, and then you have to, to have money withheld from your paycheck every every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um so so as to make certain that you don't get 50.2% of the revenues. And, you know, I just that was a bad deal for the players all along. But as you say now, um, you know, the owners are, are on the hook um, for all this lost revenue, but they're the owners. I mean, yeah. they should be the ones taking the risk, right? You know, they, they're the ones taking the risk building arenas and, or if they don't build the arena themselves, you know, securing financing to build the arenas and, um, and, and so it's like any business owner. I mean, you, you want to open a restaurant. I mean, you know, you, you, you don't tell the, the chef and the wait staff, uh, it's a 50, 50 split of all restaurant related revenue. And, and, and then, uh, and then, you know, hold some of their paycheck and escrow, uh, in case no customers come in. I mean, you take the risk as the owner. And so I, I always thought that was a bad deal for the players. Well, now it's turned out that because of, you know, the loss of so much revenue this season, now the owners are going to take a bath and they're going to try and get that money back from the players. Well, I just, it's just, uh, that was never a good deal. So anyway, all that said, uh, the way the new CBA uh, is designed or the, or the redone CBA is designed, um, they're going to have to delink the salary caps from, the HRR, yeah. right? Yeah. Because if, if you didn't do that, I mean, projecting what HRR is going to be next season and beyond, um, you, you don't know. There's no way to project it. Um, and But what you do know is absolutely it's not going to be what, you know, what it would normally be. So so then, then you'd have to, your salary cap would have to 
be massively reduced from 81.5 million down to some people had speculated maybe a 65 million dollar range. Right, and what they're going to do is they're going to keep it flat at 81.5 million until hockey-related revenue returns to the 4.8 billion, which had been projected for this season before. You know, there was a, a, a pause in the season because of the pandemic, and now you don't have fans coming back and uh, the revenue there. Um, and then they will start working on increasing the cap. But, you know, you should expect the cap to be flat, I would think, for at least a couple of seasons here. And then, you know, some other numbers as to how they're going to, you know, work this math to both the players and the owners' satisfaction. They, they, the players had one more paycheck coming to them this season. They had been paid 90% of their salaries for this year. They, they're they're going to get that final paycheck now. Uh, right. For Yeah, they're going to get their final paycheck for this regular season, uh, but it's going to go directly towards repaying, you know, what they owe the owners. So right. they get the paycheck. They don't get the money in the paycheck. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, okay. yeah. So, so already, you know, they, 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 you know, beyond escrow, you know, you're, you're only collecting 90% of your contract and then you had whatever the escrow was this year. I think it was at 14%. So, yeah. So you do the math on how much the players lose out of their contracts this year. Yeah. Um, as far as escrow, the, the, the NHLPA managed to get an escrow cap into this right. new CBA. Right, twenty um, percent. Right, but it goes down. Uh, it's twenty percent right. next season. That being twenty twenty one, the following season it'll be somewhere in the fourteen to eighteen percent window. And then it de- goes down to ten percent, and then it'll be a capped at six percent for the final three years of the, um, of the, uh, the CBA extension. And then that CBA will get extended one year to 27. Um, if the players are still owing, uh, the, uh, the owners reimbursement money through the, uh, through the escrow for all this hockey related revenue loss. Um, so there's a chance that this, uh, this CBA can go through 27, but that would probably be bad for the players because yeah, that, would be that revenue is not up and they, they're still owing money. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, you know, you, you think about it, you know, we have exp- an expansion team coming in, uh, in 21, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that'll be an extra team and that'll be extra games. That'll be, you know, so, uh, I would think that, um, they're going to generate a lot of revenue there, um, and so I would I would think that that would help in getting HRR back to that 4.8 quicker um, than if we just had 31 teams. So yeah, you know, I'm less worried about that, I'm less concerned about that from the player standpoint. The the, the expand I think this is still the case. Uh, I have not perused every page of the CBA, but in the past the expansion fees paid to the NHL have not been part of hockey related revenue. And that's kind of been a sticking point because, you know, that, that would help out the players if 50% of that could be credited to them, obviously, but I I do not believe that is the case. No, no, no. I wouldn't expect that to be the case. Um, But that's not what I mean. I, I just mean that when they start, when, 
they start playing games um, and they start drawing attendance, uh, and the TV revenue is going to go up too because uh, there's going to be a new TV deal in there somewhere. So presumably that will go up. Uh, but, you know, that, that team will start generating revenue, and that will be part of the HRR. So, like, it will help the HRR to go up. Whatever, whatever revenue that, that new team, that Seattle team generates, will be part of that figure, and it will probably help it get to that $4.8 billion uh, yeah. number. Yeah, and, and in the best-case scenario, I, I was thrilled to see the NHL put a team in Seattle. Uh, I think that's that that's a great city for expansion. Now, now of course, you know all bets are off, sort of, with you know what, what's going on, where and when. But you know, in the best case scenario, I, I think Seattle would have done Las Vegas like business. You know, coming right out of the chute. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a great spot for it. You got a natural rival right there in Vancouver. Um, you know, it made so much. Uh, sense, but you're right. I mean, with with the pandemic, you know, we'll have to see whether this gets affected like everything else too, and maybe maybe their entry into the league is delayed for some reason or or whatever. I mean, again, uh, it's not done until it's actually done, right? We're not, uh, <laughs> you know, we can't count any chickens before they hatch. All right, what else you got for me? What what else, what else is in that uh, that new CBA yeah, that you're, I mean, you're so excited about? Again, we're gonna we'll we'll talk about the uh, the fact that the unsigned draft picks cannot be eligible for this season. We'll talk about that and we'll answer some people's questions. Um, let's see, rookies are uh, the rookies are gonna make a little bit more money. Uh, the new, you know, was it the new maximum uh, for a single year in an entry level contract will now be almost four million with all the bonuses. So that that that's good for the guys coming in. Here here's a here's a big one. And you know, in <laughs> if all this other stuff wasn't going on, this would have been the headline. Um but the NHL is going to the Olympics in 22 and 26 and that's in Beijing, uh the Winter Games in 22 and the Milan Olympics in 26 and uh you know, that'll be the first time the NHL has had Olympic participation since Sochi in uh, 2014. And I know that's something almost across the board, all players want it. So, I, I, you know what, like I said, in, in, in other times, that would have been the, the big, bold-faced headline, right. NHL right, going right. back to the Olympics. In this case, it was probably a sweetener to get the players to go along with some of this other stuff. Yeah regarding escrow and all this kind of stuff. And, 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 you know, it's, it's a new world and, you know, nothing's going to be perfect. And, you know, as much as I, you know, I, I hate the fact that these players are stuck with this deal for, for, you know, six more years. Um, you know, it is, it is what it is, I guess. I mean, and everybody's going to be hurt by this. So, you know, if they can get, they can get that. That's a big get for them to get back to the Olympics because after our man, John, John Tavares got hurt, you know, the owners didn't really want any part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Oh, here, here's a big deal for, for a veteran team such as the Islanders are. Um, they, they've, they've restructured the cap recapture. You know, in the past, an over-35 player yeah. retired on your watch, and you were absolutely, you know, screwed. Salary yeah. And I, yeah. So – yeah, but uh, 
you know, uh, that they're Some they're of going that stuff to makes my head hurt, honestly. <laughs> 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 Look at all these details, these finer details. But yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a big one. That's absolutely a big yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, as TSN is reporting, really, this thing is only going to cover a small amount of contracts. There's Duncan Keith in Chicago and Ovechkin and Parisi and Suter in Minnesota and Crosby in Pittsburgh, Jeff Carter in L.A., and also uh, goalie Jonathan Quick in L.A. But still, I mean, you know, uh, going forward, you you don't have to be. I I think this is will be a, of a benefit to the the older players. Uh, you know, teams will be uh, less wary of maybe offering a, a you know a 33 or 34 year old guy a contract and, and worry that he's going to be uh, retiring on him. So yeah, no, it's a, and that's that is that is big because you know there's you know there's no reason to just age discriminate against the guy, you know? Like, if he can play, he can play. There's no way to know that a guy might not be good until he's 40. I mean, like, you know, guys have played until they're 40. So, I mean, you know, as you say, you want to sign a 32-year-old guy to a five-year deal, um, you know, it allows you the freedom to go ahead and do that now without, uh, you know, worrying that, you know, something happens and he decides to retire early. Um, I I, I know it's a... It's a different game, but in today's NHL, no way Gordy Howe plays until he's 50, you know, <laughs> under these rules because no team would have wanted to take a chance on on, on giving him a, a contract, you know. Right. Um, and and we, we mentioned, you know, the entry-level deals will have a little bit more value and also uh, rookie salaries, uh, you know, they go up there going from 700000 now to uh, 800000 by the end of this uh, CBA extension. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's good. Um, the minimum salary goes up, right? Veteran yeah. Minimum, veteran the, the veteran, yeah, the veteran minimum goes up as well. And then I guess, you know, other things, uh, you know, this is, you know, this doesn't come up often, but, you know, a, a player who plays in Europe, uh, no longer requires waivers to come back to the NHL um, as long as they sign with an NHL team by uh, December 15th. So, you know, for instance, if a player had wanted to come back, you know, signs with the team, that team had to put them through waivers. And, you know, there had been some instances where a guy winds up on a team he wasn't expecting to wind up. So that's, you know, those are kind of minor things within the uh, the, the grand scheme here. But, the, you know. The, Let me the, ask you this. With, with, yeah. with that deal, right? So player coming back from Europe, wouldn't he be a ringer at the end of the year? Uh, not no, because he. You know, you you're, you're assuming he's signing by December fifteenth. If you listen to Bill Daly, his his argument was that this is all going on after the trade deadline and after the rosters have been set. And again, you know, we, we've discussed this. I don't understand why this is different from previous seasons when teams were allowed to bring in college players for the playoffs you know, such as a Cal McCarr. But that was Bill Daly's argument, that you're getting a ringer uh, after teams have thought about what their roster construction would look like through the trade trade deadline. I'm not saying I'm supporting that argument, but that was the argument. Yeah, but you could theoretically still 
you know, have a guy stashed in Europe somewhere, right? I mean, you have a guy, let's say you sign a guy, you bring him over for your training camp, uh, he doesn't make your team, you want to send him to your AHL team, he doesn't want to go, he has a European assignment clause in his contract, you send him to some team in Sweden or whatever, and when has a has a monster year there, and when that season's over, he can just come back. If I'm reading this correctly, he has to come back by December 15th, though. He'd have to come back by December 15th? Yeah, okay. I believe. I thought he had to sign before December 15th. The way I interpreted it was that they, they, they got to come back by December 15th. Okay. All right. Well, that's um, a different story. Okay. But, again, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. And, uh, again, Still no ringers. You know, <laughs> we're we're going to talk a lot about Arena right now because uh, we're going to get to the Twitter questions here for the segment that I would like to dub, redub oh, Andrew is, and Colin's answers, but the theme music is only for Andrew's answers. Uh. It's time for your questions with Andrew's answers. And in the sense of fairness to everyone who has uh, sat through this waiting for Ilya Sorokin answers, I think we will go directly to the Ilya Sorokin questions. We'll start out with a simple one because I can answer the simple one. Um, Ian Katarina says, have the Islanders signed Sorokin yet? And as of right now, no. And we can, uh, we can, uh, go on with this because there is a period that the Islanders will be able to sign Sorokin, even though he's not eligible for 20, the, the remainder of the 1920 season. Um, they can sign him as we mentioned. And then uh, have this year count, you know, basically they burn this season off his entry-level deal, and then they can work out a more lucrative RFA deal with him. And does it also count? It counts to his service time, right? Yes, it counts to his service time. You know, basically it's now up to to Sorokin to, you know, how patient is he, really? Because, uh, you know, if he wants to play in the NHL, it's probably not going to be, until uh, in December or January, you know, that he'd be eligible. Can he sign a one-year deal? Could he just sign a deal for 1920? Yeah, I believe so, yes. And then, he's a, and then he's a restricted free agent. That is my understanding, correct. But then his contract would be good. Uh, he would be under contract through October 31st, so he wouldn't be able to then sign someplace in Russia. Correct. Okay. And so, so, I mean, well, if he signs the entry-level deal, that's a sign that he's going to sign a second deal. Right. So I wouldn't, right. At that point, I wouldn't worry about the KHL. Yeah, no, um, no. I was, just, I was just wondering, like, if he could sign a deal uh, with the Islanders, you know, never show up, never come, never come across the, the ocean, and then just uh, play in Russia and then sign next year, sign a one-year deal in Russia. But he can't do that because he's under contract if he signs a deal until September, uh, until uh, October 31st. That is correct. Now, there is a window to sign Sorokin and, and these other players. Um, it's a 53-hour uh, window. Uh, that, that was my understanding. 53 hours, 
you can either sign this player or not. Um, you can sign them for the, uh, you know, to burn this one year, basically. They have basically 53 hours to sign them once the CBA is ratified. Right. So really, you know, by the time we're talking for the next podcast, there could be some kind of decision on Sorokin. I, I'm sorry for that confusion, but it's, it's 53 hours after the CBA is agreed upon that they can uh, go after these unsigned draft picks. Okay, no, and the Islanders have not yet signed Sorokin, but ask me again next week, and I may have a, a more definitive yes or no on that. Mike Giblet says if the Islanders sign Sorokin uh, for 2019-20, and as we've mentioned on and on, that would be to burn the year's contract and not to have him play, uh, will they have to pay his full salary even though he won't be playing? And the answer there would be a simple yes. Um, so unless you got anything to add to that, why would he pay? I don't, I don't see, I don't understand that. If he doesn't play any games, how can he get a salary? Well, cause he's got a contract and it's not his fault that he's not playing. They're telling him he can't play. Okay. It, it's a valid contract. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, would he get a salary or would he just get a signing bonus? I think he would get his, I think he would get his money. All right. All right. Only money. Uh, Rye asks, any speculation about his future contract uh, or cap hit as an RFA, how many years can they sign him to? I do not have any speculation what his future contract might look like other than it's probably going to be, you know, obviously more than he's going to make on his entry-level deal. Um, As an RFA, I I would think you're probably – you know, looking at a, a two- or three-year RFA deal, probably so he can then become an unrestricted free agent. You know, if I'm his agent, uh, that's the way I would do it. I, I would think maybe a, a three at three, three years, three million, uh, something like that. Um, How does that sound to you? I would think he'd make more, no? I'm trying to temper it only because there's the bigger issue of – the salary cap being flat players who thought they were going to make some money are not going to make as much money as they thought they were going to make. So, and and because teams are going to, you know, be doing, doing all sorts of acrobatics to now fit players under this flat cap. So, well, what's Igor Shesterkin? He's on his entry level deal, right? He's on his entry level. Yeah, I think it's a two year entry level deal. Okay, so, you know, what what do you think he would make as an RFA? I mean, he's a number one goalie. Wouldn't he make four or five million? Would he? I mean, Simeon Varlamov is making five million, but he's been in the league for a decade. Uh, Thomas Grice is making, what, three million? You've got to look when they signed, though. I mean, yeah. no, I know. Last summer, Grace signed a while ago. It's going to be difficult because <laughs> Sorokin's going to have zero NHL resume other than a burned year on an entry level contract. Right. So, in a tough time, I mean. Right, in a tough time. That's it. That's it. But here's the other thing: How long do the Islanders hold his rights? Like, if he doesn't sign now, right? And he goes back to CSKA and he plays a one-year deal over there, a two-year deal. Does he have to come back to the Islanders or is he a free agent at that point? I believe the Islanders, wouldn't they still retain his rights? 
if he continually signs deals with the KHL? It has to. It has to run out at some point. We got. Yeah, we got to figure that out. I, I, I would say this in in practice. I, I think if Sorokin doesn't sign with the Islanders now, he's not going to be a part of this organization. Well, that's what um, I'm saying. Like, so yeah. if, if you're Sorokin, you want to play in the NHL, but if you, you can't play in these playoffs, you won't be able to play until January. Um, so if you choose to go back to Russia, um, you know, it's, if it, you know, wouldn't it be worth it just waiting till whatever point it is you become a free agent? And then you can negotiate with everybody, as opposed to just yeah, or 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 just tell Lou now I'm never signing with this franchise. So well, if you well, want to get yeah. anything for me, trade me. Right, um, right. I mean, you could do that. I mean, but you know, I think Lou's proven to be pretty aggressive in this sort of thing, right? Like if he sees that, like you know, I know that there's some contracts that he signed that people scratch their heads and say, why are you giving this guy that much? But at the end of the day, if you want the guy. You gotta, you know, you you gotta, you gotta do what it takes to get the guy, right? So, um, if I see this is the, this is the thing, I don't know, you know, if Sorokin, you know, when does Sorokin have? Uh, when does he become a free agent? A free agent, free agent. Um, and can he wait until that time? At which point he can negotiate with the entire league, as opposed to just negotiating with the Islanders. And then he would have the leverage, right? So it's it's no different than the the college, you know, the kid that goes to college and gets drafted, and and he knows if he plays four years, he's a free agent. And right. so, like in in the case of uh, you know, and I, and I hate to do this to Johnny P, but in the case of uh, in the case of Adam Fox, which who is at least a Long Island guy, you know, he gets drafted by a team, he gets traded by a team, and he knows, you know, he's kind of, he, you know, he can go to Carolina and say, look, I got one more year to go before I'm an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, I'm not siding with you. You might want to trade me now. Uh, and so, you know, when the, once you get to that point, then the player has leverage and the player can, can do stuff. So, yeah, I mean, when, when Sorokin has leverage, he will use it. Right, right. The question and, is, when does he have that leverage? And, again, you know, we're, we're also, you know, he could – sign the century level deal, burn it without playing, get a better, you know, little more loop money under an RFA deal. And, you know, just say the AHL is able to start its season earlier than the NHL. You know, uh, he could also, Sorokin could also spend some time in Bridgeport before getting to the NHL, um, which is presuming the AHL, which just canceled its season and didn't resume after March, uh, you know, is able to start, you know, in, in October or November, which uh, I don't know if you've heard anything. I, no, I haven't yeah, heard. I haven't. That's a good thing to look into, though. And it, it does lead us into our next question from G. Do you think he would be willing to sign and then play in Bridgeport to start the year? Uh, G is assuming the AHL will start in time in October. Would he be willing to do that? I, I sort of feel like if he was paying attention to Igor Shosturkin, yeah, he, he would be willing to play in the A for a little bit of time. But I, uh, I think it would make some sense uh, for him to do that. 
if if the AHL does start on time or close to on time, you know, because we're wondering like, okay, if he signs here and he doesn't want to play until Jan, you know, the league's not not going to allow him to play until January or or whatever. Um, he might as well go back to Russia. But no, if the AHL is an option, then then you know you do the AHL. Now the only thing is, um, is he on a one-way contract? Or are these rookie deals like two-way deals? Like, you know, if he's going to play in the AHL and make like, you know, $75,000 or something. Like, I would, you know, I would absolutely assume he's only signing a one-way deal. <laughs> I, I, so, I mean. So yeah. if that's the case, then it, then it makes, it would make sense because not only um, is he here and under their control, but he gets to play in the small rink and he gets to, to understand, uh, the, you know, the, the, how different the angles are the shot angles and things like that. I remember uh, Shesterkin um, talking about how he liked uh, the North American game. You know, he liked the narrower rink because it was much more action than than he's used to. I mean, you know, in in European hockey, you know, with the wider rink, you know, the shots are coming from different angles, but also there's fewer shots because there's a lot more play out by the boards or up by the top and stuff. But here in in, in North America with the 85-foot-wide rink, um, the shots come fast and furious, and as a goalie, Shesterkin liked that, and I'm pretty sure Sorokin would too. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think Bridgeport would be a a reasonable uh, landing spot for him, even if for just a month or so. But uh, we know, do we know by the way if he speaks any English? You know, I wasn't on the beat when he was over here for uh, summer development camp. I, I believe he does speak English, um, okay. but I'm not a hundred percent sure that and i'm hoping to uh discover that <laughs> yeah uh dan hoffman asks given barry trotz hasn't been in a rush to play the islanders young play younger players how much time would you expect sorokin to see if he makes it here and uh, what well, my expectation is if Ilya sorokin is in the organization and on the roster it, it would sort of be in a, a Thomas Grice role relative to Semyon Varlamov, meaning that they are both competing to see who the hotter goalie is, and Trotz will play the goalie that's going better at the time. So, you know, I think Sorokin would have every opportunity to earn a lot of playing time un- under Barry Trotz. Um, Frank B. asks, would he be allowed to practice with the team? And, and I believe you mean sign the entry-level deal um, and then uh, practice with the team. I mean, technically, yeah, uh, because he's a signed player. Um, I think he could practice with the team since there's an unlimited number of goalies allowed at the training camp, but he, the Islanders would not waste a spot. Uh, they only have uh, 30, what is it, 30 players? 31. 31, I'm sorry, yeah. 31, 31. players to take to their bubble. Um, you would have to take at least three goalies. Yeah, so they're, they're not going to uh, bring him up. So, I, you know, the only practice he might be able to get in would be during this, uh, you know, really 13 days of training camp. And really, I, I don't know whether it's worth him to fly all the way over from Russia for that. No, I don't think it would be because, you know, you got to realize too, that he would have to come over and he'd have to, um, he'd have to serve a quarantine, you know, that, that, uh, whatever the protocol is, whether it's, I think it's eight days and three negative tests or something like that, but whatever it is, it would be, 
you know, they're starting on the 13th. Now, if you came over, if well, I don't know when they're going to ratify the contract, but let's say they ratify it later this week. Let's say they ratify it on, on Friday and, you know, he signs a contract on Saturday um, and he flies here on Sunday and, you know, he still, he'd have to sit out eight days or something like that. Yeah, the logistics don't work. So I don't, I don't see that happening. Now, I think the question would be, could they bring him to, um, I was going to say Las Vegas, could they bring him to Toronto as a non-roster player? Because um, aren't they allowed a certain number of personnel beyond the actual active roster? And, and, and you know, Not, I didn't think in the bubble though, right? I mean, you got your, your 31 players, you got three coaches, you got two, was it two trainers? You got, uh, I think one or two equipment guys. You have a social media uh, coordinator. Um, it, it was a pretty tight list to, to you know, 52 yeah. personnel. You got to include, you know, Lou and presumably, you know, one of his assistant GMs up there, I would think, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so I, I just don't see them wasting uh, not wasting but i don't see them using a spot like that yeah no no so i don't i don't i don't so if, if they can't do that and it doesn't sound like they can then no it wouldn't make any sense to bring them over here for four days of skating with the team yeah i don't think <laughs> yeah and um, then he, you know he'd have to go back right <laughs> he'd have yeah. to go back to russia you'd have to serve a quarantine going back over there too so yeah no yeah. I, I, I don't know about that uh, Robert Goldman asks, so now that they can burn the year on Sorokin without him playing, do they sign the entry-level contract and a longer-term contract at the same time so as to guarantee Sorokin is here for the start of next season? And I do not believe that is uh, – they, they would have to wait for uh, October 31st. Yeah, or November 1st. So I do not believe they, they could do that together um all right so, uh, just looking way back up to the top here uh in trots we trust says do you expect andrew ladd to crack the lineup against the panthers and i i, I forget which pod i i did this on I, I gave my sort of projected lineup there um and i expect andrew ladd to be competing with Leo Komarov and Michael Dalcal uh, for a spot on uh, Gigi Pajot's third line. That, that's how I'm seeing it. So do I expect him to earn that spot? I, I would say, I, I would think Trotz might be leaning towards Dalcal uh, to start, but, he, you know, Trotz does like the veterans. He, he does think Ladd can, can add something to the lineup. He said that repeatedly. So I, I don't think it's out of possibility. Um, but I, I sort of feel like Michael Dalcall might earn that, that role. Um, what does Michael Dalcall do for you uh, as, as compared to, to Ladd, though? I mean, like, if you want to break it down like that way, let's talk a little hockey. Like, you know, what, what, what are they – how are they different, and, and, and what makes Dal Call your pick over Ladd? Um, just the way Barry talks about Dal Call, and I've gotten into you know back and forths with Islander fans who, who don't see much out of Dal Call, others do see something. Um, 
he, he brings almost zero production, unfortunately. Um, and, and that's something he knows he needs to improve upon. But, you know, I, I do see him working the tight areas nicely. Um, I do see him working in the corners. I, I see him as a very complimentary player and, and someone, you know, who can kind of create some havoc uh, in, in front of the net and, and maybe create some space for Pajot uh, and, and Derek Broussard. Um, you know, and maybe he can chip in with a few assists playing with those guys or maybe some, you know, tipping goals playing around the net. And, you know, what Barry also really likes is defensive game. Uh, you know, trust him defensively. Um, so that's, that's the Barry side. And then as far as Andrew Ladd, um, you know, he, he can he'll, – he'll score probably – a few more goals than Michael Dalcall. He does certainly have some big time playoff experience. Um, you know, and they're they're pretty much you know at this point skaters, I would think. Yeah. All right. I didn't mean um, I track you, but I was just curious. Yeah. No. 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 It, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, and honestly, more than, more so than style of play, I think it's going to completely come down to who who is skating in better shape. Um, through this training camp, because as, as as we've mentioned, Barry doesn't have time to wait for players to get into tip-top shape. You gotta you gotta either be there or not, you know. And, and if you're not, Barry's gonna move on. So I, I haven't seen either guy skate, you know, since since March. So I don't know what level either one is, or or we're, you know, Leo Komarov, you know, who's been back home in the in, in Europe you know, has probably been skating more than anyone. So right. maybe he's, maybe he's got the edge and, you know, uh, there's also, you know, a, I think Barry would use Michael Dalcal or, or Leo Komarov on a, on a penalty kill before Andrew Ladd. Right. You know, right. Right. so that, that, that all those things must be considered. Fair enough. Um, Brian G says, with there being a flat cap for next season, should we expect a Leo Komarov buyout? And <laughs> well, let me. I'll, I'll, I'm trying I'll to sell that hard in the last pot, Andrew. Come on. Now. Yeah, and we're going to uh, pair that up with Michael, who is asking, "Hey, Andrew, any word on compliance buyouts or ways for teams to get cap relief?" And uh, I'll, I'll answer Michael by saying, uh, you know, as much as Colin and I speculated that this would have to be, um, it doesn't look like it has to be. I, yeah, I, I, really not. Yeah, uh, I have. I, the, the word is that no, the compliance buyouts are not part of this, and that uh, you know, uh, there's not going to be cap relief that way. So, you know, if there is a, a for next season should we expect an uncle leo buyout the problem is you you can afford dead cap space even less than in the past now just because you know it's not going up so you know if it's not compliance buyouts i i kind of see see that as a tough way to go you know i cannot understand why they wouldn't have compliance buyouts but i haven't seen uh i haven't seen that topic come up in in any of the the information that's been out there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, a, it would, it would solve a lot of problems if they did have it, but you know, if they don't, yeah. then you know, what are you going to do? The, 
this this leads into our next question. You see how I'm doing this, Colin, here? I got you. I got you. You're a master at this. <laughs> Pete Lynch says, do you think Lou will look at trades as a way to shed payroll? And, yeah, I, I certainly think Lou's going to be looking at trades. Um, but then again, trades are going to be more difficult to make because very few teams can afford to take on bad contracts or salary or anything like that, knowing that the cap is flat. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking to trade an Andrew Ladd's deal, um, you know, or Johnny Boychuk's deal, or, or even Leo Komarov's deal, you're going to have to overpay on your end, you know, you know, sweeten the deal with some high draft picks or a prospect, you know, to get another team to bite on that. And, and still there's the question of, you know, how many teams are going to be able to afford to do something like that? There are teams out there that are under the cap that yeah. are not going anywhere uh, uh, and, and are and are under the cap. You know, the Ottawa's of the world and, and, and uh, teams like that. But, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean just because they're under the cap and they can probably afford to take on a salary, it doesn't mean they want to take on a player who – whose production doesn't match the salary. So, I mean, it, it does make it um, more difficult to make trades um, in, in this environment. Yeah, now, Colin N. kind of puts an umbrella on this by just asking, so how are we navigating this cap situation? And, you know, first, I think Lou is in sort of the same boat that a lot of his, you know, colleagues are in. But, and to go back to something we mentioned earlier in the podcast, there is an expansion draft coming up, uh, and you can't forget about that. And, you know, maybe there's a way of getting Seattle to take on one of your your, your bigger contracts, you know. And, unfortunately, it might be a player that, you know, you, you might not want to lose. I saw one mock draft where Josh Bailey winds up with Seattle. Now, that, that would help the Islanders' cap situation for sure, but, you know, within the scope of the Islanders, you're losing a top six forward. So I think the expansion draft is going to play a huge role in, in how teams navigate this cap situation because in Seattle, you have a team that does have a lot of cap flexibility. What you don't want to lose is, <laughs> is a cheap guy. Right, you don't want to lose a guy who's making a million. You want to lose a guy who's making three, four, five million. You know, but that's that's like a year away, right? I mean, that's that's the summer of twenty one. Yeah, and the, the Islanders have more pressing you issues get, since they. Yeah, you, you got to you know first you got to beat Florida, right, and then and then you got to win the cup, and then uh, <laughs> plan the parade. Plan but, the parade. But, but then, um, so here's the question: Is the where's the parade going to be? Is it going to is it going to be around the Coliseum, or is it going to you going to go with, put it over by Belmont so you can see the new place? Well, uh, honestly, I think the parade would be virtual, and you would be given a Zoom call-in number around a half hour before the parade started, and there would just be like uh, one of those GoPro cameras on a car. And... <laughs> wow! Wow! It's such a um, kill toy. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I would think, I guess since no one's running the Coliseum these days, you could have free play out in the parking lot there, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, seriously, the Islanders, just getting back to their cap for a second, but before you get to any of this, you got to 
you know, figure out a new deal with Matthew Barzell, Ryan Pulak, Devontae's, oh, yeah, you know, exactly. and, and possibly Ilya Sorokin. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in Lou Lamarillo's shoes for this. This is, this is going to be very complicated. There's a chance it, it could be painful in terms of losing players you don't necessarily want to lose. A um, couple of guys I haven't mentioned, Lee Ullman asked, would you expect to see Kiefer Bellows or Tommy Kuhnhockel get into any games against Florida? And I guess I've erred in not including Tommy Kuhnhockel amongst, you know, the Michael Dalcall, uh, Andrew Ladd, Leo Komarov, you know, battle for uh, a spot uh, in a playoff starting roster. Um, Kiefer Bellows, I, I think, is going to get a chance if, if you're going to bring up uh, what is it? Thirty-one players, uh, or uh, for what is it? 30, it, it's thirty thirty skaters for training camp and unlimited. Oh, yeah. So it's thirty skaters and unlimited goalies for training camp, and then thirty-one players on the roster total, including goalies for uh, for the bubble. So yeah, I expect Bellows. Uh, he is the a uh, logical candidate to, to get a good look in training camp here. You know, Wallstrom will probably get a good look as well. Um, so, JHS? I, what? JHS? Uh, I do not think so, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I just had to. Please, no. <laughs> There's going to be theme, Josh Hosang theme music soon, too. So, but we, 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 you know what? We, we, it's funny. Ilya Sorokin has become the new Josh Hosang. Because when I started this, you know, uh, I think my first podcast was, what, September? Um, so, so we're getting close to a year here. Uh, most of the, the Twitter Q&A was about Josh Hosang. And now it's all about Ilya Sorokin. So, uh uh, let's see. Um, Dan O'Shea says, did the Islanders dodge a bullet by not taking on Zach Parisi? And I would say yes. <laughs> and that has nothing to do, that has nothing to do with, with Zach's game. That has everything to do with his contract. So uh, I think I mentioned this. It, it, to me, it would have been like the Mets acquiring Robinson, Robinson Cano, you know, so uh, Thomas Boyle says, when do you see fans attending hockey games? Um, do you have any thoughts there? I, I do. I, I want to see what you think. I mean, I think it's all dependent on uh, on the vaccine. I mean, there's been encouraging, encouraging reports that uh, I think there was some big uh, government award to some company today. Uh, uh, so it depends. I mean, like, I, you know, I've read somewhere we could have a vaccine by the fall, which seems a little ridiculous. But, um, no, I mean, I, I would think that um, depending on the second wave, yada, 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 I mean, you know, if if if, if the league's coming back in January, um, January 1st, let's say, or let's say sometime in December, I would think that we'll, we'll see fans in the game um by, you know, at least some capacity, maybe not, you know, certainly not 100% capacity, but I would think in early 2021, you know? Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was going to say. I I think there will be limited limited fans for the start of next season, uh, which would be 2021 season. Um, And again, you know, who knows where those fans are going to go 
for Islander home games. Uh, we've done a whole pod on that. <laughs> don't start stuff. You're no, almost at the I'm end not, here. You don't, right. don't, don't need to get yourself all distracted now. Yeah, but no, Thomas, uh, I agree with Colin. Uh, my answer was going to be, you know, in January. Uh, I think there will be, you know, limited fans in the stands uh, at that point. I think the NHL is going to want to wait until fans can get into the stands to start up their next season. Um, and I think we're just going to finish this on this one, Melissa, and thank you so much for contributing as much as you do. Uh, she says, if you could start a podcast with anyone from the Islanders organization, former players, coaches, anyone, which three would you podcast with? Um, Ooh. yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I think a podcast with Clark Gillies. Yeah, I was going to say he's the first that, that came to mind. Yeah, and I'm going to say Jiggs McDonald. And, ooh, boy. Yeah. you got to get Billy Smith, man. Come on. Yeah, Billy, I asked Billy for an interview. Billy says he doesn't do interviews. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be the thing. If you could get him, he'd be great. Yeah. No, if, if, you're right. If I could get Billy to do this, I, I would love for him to do it. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, Dennis Potvin, you know, he's such a good talker. Um, how about, if you're talking about alumni, how about Robin Leonard? That would be some podcast. Robin Leonard? <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest with you, <laughs> Robin would not need a co-host. <laughs> I'm just trying to help, man. No, no, Robin's a good one. I, I, I'll, I'll go. You know, whichever one would agree to do it. Billy Smith, Robin. I want Jigs, and I want Clark Gillies. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've come to the end of the questions. We've come to the end of the podcast, and as always, uh, I want to thank uh, my good friend Colin. Stevenson for uh, guiding us along in this ride. Colin, uh, hope you uh, have another good week. I hope that a haircut uh, settles in nicely for you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so feeling good about this haircut right now. Listen, I have had a good day, got my haircut, got to talk with you, my good friend, um, talk a little hockey. I'm, I'm, I'm getting really excited. Uh, I know there's a long way to go between now and August 1st, but, uh, but I, am, I am getting excited that, you know, there's going to be hockey uh, actual hockey, actual guys on skates that we can talk about next week, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we we didn't even get into this, and we can get into this in future weeks. We did not get into the fact that most likely we're not going to be there based on the uh, NHL media guidelines. But that that's that's another podcast. So uh, with that, I'll say thank you again to Colin Stevenson. He's on Twitter at Colin S. Newsday. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Gross at A. Gross Newsday. And uh, please find our uh, Island Ice podcast, wherever podcasts are, uh, preferably on the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports. There's a whole Islander page with anything you want to find on about the Islanders there. Uh, please rate, please subscribe, please leave a comment, and please, 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 everyone stay healthy, be well, and thank you so much for listening.